Normal broadcasting has been discontinued. Coming to you from Portland, Oregon. The sports business capital of North America. Keep your radio tuned to this frequency. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Now, your host. I tell you, I've never seen anything like that guy. Brian Berger. You have found the most informative hour of sports radio you'll listen to all week long and the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to tune in this week. In segment three, we're going to catch up with G2 Strategic CEO Marshall Glickman for our monthly installment of Glickman Global. We talk about sports business in Europe. Stick around in segment three for that. In segment four, Gavin Maloof, he's joined us before, joined us last November. He's the co-owner of the Sacramento Kings. He joined me in Las Vegas last Sunday at the ESPN Zone, and I wanted to air that interview for our national audience. We discussed the latest developments with the Kings Arena, Arco Arena. We also talked about their new head coach and just the current state of the NBA in general. You'll want to stick around for that in segment four. A couple of other notes, visit our new and improved website at sportsbusinessradio.com. Listen to SBR On Demand. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com and click on the podcast page. I'm joined in studio by Nathan Roach. Nathan, we put a big story out on the blog this week. It's about Kevin Durant. You know, everyone's been watching the shoe deal for Odin. He signed with Nike. We broke that story. The shoe deal with Durant has gotten real interesting because I uncovered a story that his agent, Aaron Goodwin, has a $40 million minimum that he needs to meet if he's going to get paid on the shoe deal. Adidas is at that minimum. Nike isn't there yet. Kevin Durant wants to sign with Nike because he's had an affiliation with them since eighth grade. He's trying to get them up to that point so the agent gets paid. And uh, Kevin Durant's mom would also like to have a few million dollars more in Kevin Durant's pocket. We will talk about that more in segment four after my Gavin Maloof interview. But the big news of the week Uh is not sports business. Nathan, you're getting married. I'm getting married on Saturday, if you can believe it. Unfortunately, uh, you're invited, I guess, right? You're going to show up? I'll be there. Bobby and I will be there. I wouldn't miss that one for the world. Really? How are you hanging in there? I'm not going to lie to you. I'm a little nervous. I'm a little nervous. Well, you got to just take some deep breaths, as we've talked before. Soak it all in. you got people from all around the world that have let, come let in. Let me tell to, you the uh, best part about the whole thing. All right. Our audience can appreciate this. We are staying on our, or on our uh, wedding night at the Hotel Monaco in downtown Portland, Oregon, and the room has a 64-inch plasma TV. So needless to say, I've already told her I'm going to be watching at least 30 minutes of SportsCenter on that thing, right? High definition, 64-inch? Oh, yes. That is not a good way to start the wedding in the marriage. We got to have a talk off air. We got lots of headlines coming up. Nathan's divorce may be number one. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. This is Brian Berger from Sports Business Radio. I know many of our listeners dream of a job in the sports industry but don't know where to begin. To me, it's an easy call. Go where sports business education got its start, at the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. As the first business school in the country to offer undergraduate and graduate programs themed around this multi-billion dollar industry, the Warsaw Center offers a unique blend and strong general business training, sports business curriculum taught by industry experts, and rich out-of-classroom experiences including real-world consulting projects, study tours, and internships. With a strong industry and alumni network and a staff dedicated to accelerating your career, the Warsaw Center has a proven track record of placing students in teams, league offices, corporate sponsors, marketing agencies, sports media, and sports shoe and apparel firms. But like any elite team, there's only a few spots on the roster. To learn more, visit sportsbusinessradio.com for a link to the center's website. 
The Warsaw Sports Marketing Center. Passion, integrity, and leadership in sports business education. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. It's time for this week's Sports Business Radio headline, sponsored by the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Visit warsawcenter.com for more information. Headline number one, Major League Baseball All-Star Game took place earlier this week. ESPN drew a 5.0 overnight cable rating for the home run contest on Monday. That was down 2% from last year. But Nathan, the All-Star Game on Fox, that was down 10%. Not very good ratings for Major League Baseball's Midsummer Classic. Now, it stacked up well compared to some other TV shows. But in comparison to what the All-Star Game used to draw... Not very good, and in comparison to last year, like I said, down 10%. No, you know, Major League Baseball's All-Star Game has really kind of gone downhill. I mean, the NBA All-Star Game is still very, very, it, it's the most watched All-Star Game of all of them. Fox's coverage, however, Eric Burns, that guy was in a kayak with his dog, mind you, waiting yeah. for, I'm sure, a Barry Bonds home run ball. They were talk- Fox was talking to this guy while they were on the air, and each row hits the first inside the park home run in All-Star history, and nobody saw it. Well, they saw the replay, fortunately, but you're right. That was kind of the snafu. And, you know, I thought overall Fox's coverage was pretty good. They mic'd up some of the players and the managers, and you get a little bit more inside access during an All-Star game than you do for a regular season game. But, yeah, that was a big moment. The other thing, oh, my Lord, the worst post-game interview I have ever seen in my life. Jeannie Zalesko interviewing Ichiro, who's Japanese. So you've got Jeannie Zalesko interviewing the interpreter, who's then trying to interpret for Ichiro. This thing was painful to watch. It took forever. It wasn't Jeannie Zalesko's fault. But then she talked about, hey, fans in San Francisco, maybe Ichiro will be playing here. He's a free agent. Doesn't look like he's going to be a free agent because the reports are he's going to sign a five-year, $100 million deal. Jeannie Zalesko, you might do your homework before you interview Ichiro after the game. Absolutely, and I think the biggest thing with the baseball, going back to the watching Major League Baseball All-Star game, it needs to be on the weekend. NBA All-Star weekend, that's a big weekend. you got the dunk contest, you got the game itself, you got the rookie game. I think it needs to be on the weekend. More people are able to watch it then. Our next headline, also baseball-related. The New York Yankees, who said in March that they did not intend to negotiate an extension with third baseman Alex Rodriguez, They changed their stance this week, Nathan, and we've got a game of poker going on. They changed their stance, and they said, we will open a window to negotiate with you and extend your contract. We don't want you to opt out. Well, then A-Rod and his agent Scott Boris came out and said, we are not going to renegotiate this deal during the season. That's bad news to the Yankees, and here's why. When A-Rod was traded from Texas to New York, Texas is picking up a decent chunk of A-Rod's contract. As soon as A-Rod opts out of his contract, whoever signs him, whether it's the Yankees or another team, they are on the hook 100% for that contract. So basically what the Yankees have said is if we don't sign you before you opt out, we're not going to sign you because we're not going to be on the hook for 100% of your contract. And guess what, Nathan? He's already on this $252 million deal. People are saying if he opts out, he will make $30 million a year. Well, geez. I mean, I was just about to say that could be bad news for A-Rod. But, you know, what team is honestly going to pick him up with that amount of money? I mean, the Yankees are the team we talk about constantly as having the big bankroll. I can't think of other teams in baseball. I mean, the Cubs have ex- even the Cubs have exhausted their payroll for this season and next. Who's going to pick him up? Well, I was going to say the Cubs for one reason. He's got a great relationship with Lou Pinella from their days in Seattle 
The Cubs will likely have new ownership at season's end. Maybe that's a way for someone to make a splash. They are in Chicago. It is a big so market. So what you're trying to say is I'm going to have to start rooting for A-Rod? You oh, may. Man, I don't brutal. know. The Angels came out. Artie Moreno said, listen, I'd have to pay A-Rod more than I paid for the Angels when I bought them. I can't do that. So I don't know. You're right. The Yankees seem to be the most logical choice, but we will find out. Our next headline, attorney Troy Ellerman, who was the attorney for Bauco mastermind Victor Conte. He was sentenced on Thursday to two and a half years in prison. This is by far the harshest sentence that we've seen for anyone related with Balco. Now, the reason Ellerman was put into prison is because he leaked grand jury testimony to the San Francisco Chronicle reporters, Lance Williams, who we've had on the show. And that testimony was made from Barry Bonds, Jason Giambi and Gary Sheffield. So this guy's going to prison for two and a half years. Well, yeah, and this is just not the end. I mean, this is still, I can honestly say this is still probably the tip of the iceberg as far as the steroids investigation. It is going to continue, but but hats off to Williams for not leaking his source and, and continuing to stay, you know, he had to go to jail and he kept his mouth shut. Well, you talk about the steroids are going to continue. Our next headline, Jason Giambi, his meeting to discuss steroids and performance-enhancing drugs in baseball is reportedly going to be at the end of this month, at the end of July. Those two set a date, or they said that they would agree to meet back in June. Now they're officially going to meet. Remember, we talked a few weeks ago, Giambi will not talk about anything other than his own drug use. He will not talk about other players, uh, anything else like that. So, you know, it's going to be an awkward conversation. I don't know what Mitchell's going to learn that he doesn't already know from the grand jury testimony. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Well, you know, I, I, I can't believe I'm sticking up for Jason Giambi right now, but I, I almost feel like you should leave him alone. The guy was one of the few guys that came out and said, okay, I did it. You know, I, or he didn't admit exactly what he did, but at least he said he did something. He wants to apologize. He wants I to agree. apologize. He wants to save a little bit of face. Go on to someone else. We all know that Giambi did it. Let's move forward to, I don't know, Barry Bonds maybe? Well, and, you know, as we just said, this is only going to get more and more ugly as the season progresses, as Bonds breaks the home run record. You've got that Radomski guy who was the clubhouse attendant for the Mets. He has a lot of information. Jason Grimsley, the former Diamondbacks pitcher, he has a lot of information. I'll tell you this. Go on to our blog at sportsbusinessradio.com. If you didn't read Bob Nightingale's story on Victor Conte on Monday in USA Today, it is on my blog. I've also got some other thoughts. Read it. It is a great story by Bob Nightingale. He hits the performance-enhancing drug issue right on the head. Our next headline, this is Nathan's topic. Nathan, Wimbledon ratings up this year. An epic match in the men's final between Federer and Nadal, which Federer won in five sets. And then Venus Williams, she makes the finals. Whenever the Williams sisters are on TV late in the tournament, it's also good ratings. So ratings up big time this year from last year at well, Wimbledon. Well, good for tennis. That's the first thing to say. And, you know, Brian, you and I have talked about it all along. Tennis needs rivalries. Now, we'd love to have American rivalries. That would obviously draw more interest in the United States. But now you've got a great rivalry in Rafael Nadal and uh, Roger Federer. And it was a fantastic match. You know, the one thing I will say, though, the tennis game still isn't as exciting to me as when Pete Sampras plays. And maybe that's because I was an American. But like Pete has been saying, people are not coming to the net. It's not as fast is not as exciting as it once was but a heck of a match on Saturday Sunday yeah and I thought Nadal did a pretty darn good job this is a guy who's the master of the clay courts but he played pretty well on grass and you know the other business note here is a both guys are Nike guys so Nike got lots of well, exposure is wearing that great jacket again I mean they got to put that thing out on the market I want to buy know. that see that's what they do is they make 
rare stuff for Sharapova, the cocktail dress, and then they make the jacket for Federer, and you can't go out and buy it. The other thing about Nike is finally they did a commercial with Roger Federer, and it's on our blog at sportsbusinessradio.com. Really cool. I love the end where Tiger Woods, he voices the entire spot, but then he comes on at the end and basically says, hey, I'm a few uh, majors in front of you. Uh, you got your work cut out. Well, you know, it's anytime, it's anytime you're able to see these guys at a young age, we saw Tiger Woods in the Father's Day ad last year with Nike, and now we see Roger Federer as a young kid playing tennis. It's really cool to see that side of them. You know, you're always seeing the, the, the big shots in the, in the tournaments, but you never get to see them as kids. Well, and then another commercial came out with uh, Gillette, Tiger, uh, Tiger, oh, it, Thierry Henry. Yes, thank you. I can't right. pronounce the guy's name. And then Federer, I yeah. think, was in it. So, you know, uh, more spots for these guys. And you're seeing Federer and Tiger do some things together. These guys are all friends. So it's interesting to see these spots created. Our last headline of the week, it's a sad note. Dr. Bruce Kennedy, the husband of International Speedway Corps President uh, Lisa France Kennedy, uh, was killed this week in a plane crash. This is another tragedy for NASCAR. Uh Lisa France Kennedy, her father recently died, Bill France Jr. We talked about that a few weeks ago. So it's just sad. You know, we talk all the time about private travel and people, you know, of this magnitude don't take uh, commercial planes. So they're flying a lot. And it's actually pretty amazing that we don't see more crashes than we do when you consider all the athletes and all the executives who fly charter planes. I, I was just about to say the exact same thing. It always surprises me that more people, this it doesn't happen to more athletes. Coming up next, uh, Marshall Glickman, the CEO of G2 Strategic. We are going to do our monthly installment of Glickman Global. We're going to focus on an international sports business topic, NFL Europa. They folded recently. Is this a bad sign for American sports leagues trying to export their brand to Europe. We will discuss that with Marshall Glickman next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. My guest is Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Let's go back to the year 2000, the year before you bought the Mavericks. They were 40 and 42. Fan interest was pretty lukewarm. When you bought this team, what did you see in this team? What was the potential that you saw to get them to where they are today? Probably none. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is Dr. Miles Brand, the president of the NCAA. I think the reason why we have a BCS-type system in Division 1A and elsewhere we have playoffs is that the schools in Division 1A feel that the regular season is the most important aspect of football. Read the Sports Business blog and listen to SBR On Demand at sportsbusinessradio.com. See, I think that's the big thing. Sports Business Radio, Saturday. <laughs> Or online at sportsbusinessradio.com. For an international outlook on the world of sports business, Sports Business Radio presents Glickman Global. My guest is G2 CEO Marshall Glickman. Marshall, thanks for taking time to join us again this month. Hey, Brian, good to talk to you. You can find out everything you want to know about Marshall at G2 Strategic. Net. Marshall, a few weeks ago, the NFL pulled the plug on NFL Europa. It wasn't huge news here in the United States, but the NFL Sister League has actually been around in one form or another for 16 years. Is the NFL's departure any indication that U.S. leagues cannot export their brands and their games to foreign soil? Well, Brian, 
you know, considering that nobody uh, understands American football in Europe, I actually think the NBA, the NFL uh, did well. You know, the, I think the problem fundamentally, it's like with everything else in Europe as far as sports structures, is that Europe is not a country. In order to be successful, our leagues have to understand that and that they must adapt their business model to the customs and the nuances and the economic realities that are different, and in my experience, quite different from country to country. I don't think the NFL really did understand that at the beginning. And so for that reason, in the last two years, NFL Europa really was NFL Germany. You had five of the six teams in Germany. Um, so I think they came to understand that, and really what it was was a German-American football league. McDonald's, of course, if you go to McDonald's from country to country, you see that their menu changes and their prices change. And so I think that's fundamentally what the challenge is for leagues. Marshall, it seems all the time we're reading, we're hearing that the growth mantra of the three major professional sports leagues in the United States, plus the NHL and the NASCAR, they all talk about global expansion. In sports business circles, there's a considerable amount of rhetoric about expansion, the brands, the games. Uh, With the NFL's departure, do you think that maybe this is all a little bit too much hype and and maybe the brands of the U.S. sports teams aren't uh, exactly what we thought they were over in uh, Europe? Well... In the case of the NFL, they were trying to export a game that nobody plays in Europe. And I think coupled with the fact that they were too centralized in their approach, you get the result that you got. And economically, according to published reports, the result was that they lost about a half a billion dollars. Right. Another problem is that Europeans aren't stupid. They knew they were seeing a second-rate product with second-rate talent. So I don't think you can sell minor league sports in major league markets. And these are major league markets. So this is why now the NFL has changed its strategy. And now that what they've said publicly, Brian, is that it's time that they showcase real NFL games in Europe. Now, the NHL and NBA, I think, have been smarter with their European strategy by avoiding the temptation to sell an inferior product. In October, the NHL's Ducks and Kings, this coming up to October, uh, they will open up their regular season with back-to-back games at London's new O2 Dome. And the NBA's strategy has served to nurture and encourage the quality of European players by playing games that pit NBA teams against European teams. And most often these games have been competitive in the last two years. I think your listeners probably know that the Toronto Raptors lost at home to Maccabi Tel Aviv. The L.A. Lakers were absolutely crushed in Moscow by Seska. And then the 76ers lost in Barcelona. You know, Marshall, first of all, uh, I'm going to go on record right now saying that I bet that more people watch that uh, Ducks-Kings game abroad than they do here in the United States. But my my question to you is, you know, the sports business pundits, they all say the NBA has had by far the most success exporting their brand abroad. Europe, obviously they're working on China right now. Talk about why they've been so successful uh, exporting their brand. Well, first of all, Europe isn't yet ready 
business model is heavily driven by gate receipts. However, in my view, the NBA will be savvy enough, and this is really what their brilliance is all about, to modify their business model. So what you would see is a viable business, but the revenue mix would be quite different, I think, from country to country. So why I think the NBA has been particularly successful is because they have been very deliberative uh, and used in, in what is, in my view, an intelligent approach. They are very active with licensing, television, grassroots programs like Basketball Without Borders, and, of course, as I mentioned earlier, NBA games, including NBA Europe Live, which is going to continue next October into its second year. And you have four NBA teams heading off to Rome and Istanbul and Malaga, Spain and Madrid and London. So I think the NBA has had their ear to the ground. They've listened. They've modified their approach several times as they've gained more knowledge of the markets. And I think finally, in the end, they're going to be able to emerge in Europe with a business model that is viable and is what's important is modified uh, for each individual country's situation. So, Marshall, we talked about what the NBA has done to kind of prep their uh, presence abroad for Europe specifically. When will Europe be ready for the NBA? Well, I think the time is coming in the not-too-distant future. The catalyst, of course, will be new venues. But now... With the opening of the O2 Dome in London just two weeks ago, and I was there for it, Europe will quickly wake up to a new era in venue design. Uh, during their opening week, um, uh, you know, it was incredible the buzz in England surrounding the opening of the O2 Dome, really because there's never been an American style, if you will, arena built anywhere in Europe including uh, in England. AEG, which is Anschutz Entertainment Group, right, who owns and right. operates the Staples Center and the LA Kings and numerous other facilities in the United States and is also now, I think, the number one concert promoter in the world. Here in London with the O2 Dome, they've built one of the finest venues anywhere in the world. So I think is, uh, and now, by the way, they're, they're now about to open a sister arena called O2 World, in both cases uh, with a cell provider, O2 as the title, uh, in Berlin. And I think with London and now Berlin, it represents a sea change. And I think it's going to stimulate uh, plenty of change in Europe and I think now action about the merits of building state-of-the-art, multi-purpose indoor venues. And that is what is going to open up the door for the NBA. My guest is G2 CEO Marshall Glickman. Uh, you can find his information at g2strategic.net. Marshall, let's talk about NASCAR. NASCAR has done an incredible job in the last 10, 15 years at really uh, exporting their brand throughout the United States. They were first just a regional sport in the South. What about exporting their brand to someplace like Europe? Well, their people would probably take exception to what I would say, but I see NASCAR is a very, you know, you know, you know, very American brand. And I think it's, it's, it's difficult. I'm not saying impossible, but I think it's very challenging to ex export truly American brands uh, into Europe. And typically what you see in Europe is where American brands are more successful are 
I think this should be obvious, uh, the United Kingdom, and then Germany. Germany tends to quickly embrace American culture and, you know, sort of all things red, white, and blue. But I think, you know, in other places it really would be tough. And so I would say in the case of NASCAR specifically, you know, forget about it. Because I think that's akin to trying to sell American football. You know, in Europe, it's all about open wheel. It's on the streets. The IRL, Champ Car, they have a better opportunity in Europe than NASCAR because they can go into markets that don't have Formula One. And what about Major League Baseball? We see this World Baseball Classic. Uh, Do you think they'd have any success over in Europe? Well, it's funny. When I worked in Barcelona, there was a baseball field just out the window from my office at the Palace Andrade, which was the indoor arena uh, where I worked, actually. And it was on the campus of the venues that were built for the Olympics. And I never saw anybody using it uh, in the three years that I was in Barcelona. Um, I think Major League Baseball is following a very smart strategy with the World Baseball Classic. You know, they're using a tournament format, which works well. It brings all the focus to one mega event, and it highlights the international diversity of its players. In Europe, I don't think so, Brian. You know, they play a little bit in Italy, and that's about it. Asia is a whole different story. Um, You know, I think, uh, you know, the only issue there, and it's kind of equivalent to what the NBA has done to Europe, the MLB, the Major League Baseball, you know, they siphon off the best players and bring them to the States. So I wouldn't expect anything to happen with baseball in Europe. Marshall, we got a few minutes left. Let's go back and talk about the NBA just quickly. Uh, Do you think the NBA will expand into Europe uh, anytime soon? Um, Yeah, I do. I think they will expand. I think there will be five or six teams in the largest Western European markets. I think it's a few years off, but my prediction is eventually the stars will align. Then also at the beginning of our talk today, you said the reason NFL Europa didn't work was because Europe is not a country. How is this different for the NBA? Because the NBA is smart enough to adapt itself. That is to adapt itself to the cultural, economic, which includes things like taxation, legal, and even mentality differences from one country to another. That means they have learned that decisions cannot be made in New York City, and they are better off following a decentralized strategy that helps them understand the nuances from market to market. So you will have a business model where there are considerable variances from country to country because revenue flow is going to come in differently. But basketball is basketball. What will be different? Ticket prices in a big way, food and beverage sales, business hospitality products, communication strategy, sales techniques. Those are just some examples. It'll vary considerably from one country to another. As I said, you know, for example, French, Spanish, Italian people, forget about it. They won't eat a meal on their lap. (laughs) Won't happen. They're not going to sit and scarf down a hot dog in their seat and, you know, and drink a beer. Not going to happen. But they will eat in a nice seated environment before and after games. Americans, of course, do eat in their seats. So that's just kind of one example. There are many, many, many examples like that. And, you know, I think the differences will, of course, affect how venues are planned and operated and how they're designed in the first place. So, In the case of the NBA, they've been on the ground for so long now in Europe that I think they will understand these nuances and they will apply very sophisticated solutions and recognize that in Europe, one size does not fit all. Marshall, the NBA expanding to Europe is a pretty bold prediction. For the record, 
I'm going to say that I think they're going to expand into China before they expand in Europe. What do you say? Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I disagree. I think China, you know, um, obviously is a much bigger basketball market, no doubt about that. But, you know, and, and they're moving and they're pouring resources into China in a very big, big way. And I do think there will be significant activity, you know, in China that will take on all kinds of dimensions. But as far as actually expanding, putting teams in China, I mean, first of all, just forget about it. You know, the travel. I mean, come on, Brian, it's not going to happen. So I think with Europe, the NBA perceives that, you know, you can go from New York to London or Paris the same way you can go from New York to L.A. And so I think that's much more realistic and likely to happen uh, in the near future. Well, Marshall, we will continue this debate another time. Thanks for making time for us this month. For more information on Marshall Glickman and G2 Strategic, go online to g2strategic.net. Marshall, good luck with all your travels, and uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Thank you, Brian. I appreciate it. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. When I'm looking for a place to have dinner with family, friends, or business associates, there's only one restaurant on my list. Morton's The Steakhouse, the best steak anywhere. In its 28th year in business, Morton's serves only the finest quality foods, featuring USDA prime-age beef, fresh seafood, hand-picked produce, and decadent desserts prepared to perfection. Not to mention the award-winning wine list. When my destination is Morton's, the best is always on the menu. And they treat me like a VIP during every visit, whether in the dining room or the private boardrooms. With almost 75 restaurants conveniently located around the world, Morton's is the gold standard when it comes to steakhouses. To find the Morton's nearest you or to make a reservation, Go online to mortons.com. Morton's, the best steak anywhere, and the official steakhouse of Sports Business Radio. One-on-one with those making the big-time decisions that impact your sport. This is Sports Sense on Sports Business Radio. Radio. My guest is Sacramento Kings co-owner Gavin Maloof. Gavin, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. So let's talk a little business here. Uh, last time we had you on the show, it was literally the week after the uh, ballot measure in Sacramento for a new arena. And at the time, you told me uh, after that measure failed that you were going to Commissioner Stern because plans A, B, C, and D had failed. You were kind of at a crossroads. You asked the commissioner to come in and help you figure out how can you make this thing work because you said we want to stay in Sacramento. Where do you stand with things in Sacramento right now? We're actually waiting for a reply from the commissioner's office. Uh, he'll probably get, be getting back to us within uh, within a month or right before the season. So we're we're kind of in a, a holding period, but um, he's assured us that he has a plan. Will it work? I don't know. Well, I hope so. Uh, we're cautiously optimistic that he has something that, that can be workable. One of the tough things, and we discussed this too in November, is in California, whether you're in Sacramento or any place else, it has been proven time and time again in the last five or six years that people just aren't going to vote for measures for public funding for facilities. That's got to be frustrating for you guys, I would think. It is because we we believe in that. Uh, we believe that uh, the public should should, should uh, help with along with the private sector because that's the, the the team is a benefit for the community and there's so many things that we do for the community and vice versa. But this team belongs in Sacramento and we've always felt that um, 
they should they should pay part of the tab as well. What do you say to the people out there who say, "Listen, the Maloofs have lots of money. They've got hotels and they've done very well. Why should we pay for their facility?" What do you tell those people to try and sway them to vote for supporting a facility? Again, just that that the team is for the community. I mean, uh, we we've really in the last eight or nine years have put Sacramento on the map, right. if you will. You know, nationwide, internationally, we we went, had games in Tokyo and. And in China, we played against Yao Ming, so we've really done a lot for the Sacramento name. And uh, it's just a team for the for the people. And so if it's for the people, everybody should chip in and, and help out. Well, and you mentioned last time you were on as well that uh, you were looking for an NBA team, not specifically the Kings. That's what was available to you when you guys were out in the market for an NBA team. So, again, Sacramento is pretty fortunate that they got the Maloofs to own their team and, and, like you said, kind of put them on the map. We we really appreciate what, what, what the city has done for us and, and the fans, and we've had a great run. We've had a, a string of 350 straight sellouts. It's the longest in the NBA and, uh, you know, we hope that that'll continue in the years to come. And we've had a great relationship, but we still have a problem and we have to we have to address it. And that's uh, a new arena. My guest is Gavin Maloof. He is the co-owner of the Sacramento Kings. Gavin, let's talk about uh, you have a new head coach, Reggie Theus. That was a I think it was a two month process in identifying a replacement for Eric Musselman. Uh, how involved were you and, and your brother in that process of hiring uh, Reggie Theus? We really initially left it up to, to Jeff, and, and he came up with a uh, laundry list, if you will, of potential candidates. And then we whittled it down to five or six that, that we would all want to interview and that he was comfortable with. And, you know, Reggie's we've known Reggie for, for quite some time, and Jeff is comfortable with him and got great references from Rick Pitino and Jerry Tarkanian. And I think that's really what will put him over the, the hill, over the hump, if you will. What are some of the, the qualities that Reggie possesses that uh, maybe you didn't have with your, your previous coach? Well, I don't, I don't want to go into what the other coach did him. All I can say is Reggie, integrity, integrity. Mm-hmm. And um, he, he played the game, and even though he's never been a coach in the NBA, he knows the game. He's, he's been in it uh, 13 years. And, and the, the, the way that he turned the program around at New Mexico State was the fifth best turnaround in, in NCAA history. I mean, that just doesn't happen. Right. The guy's a winner. Uh, let's talk about Jeff Petrie. Talk about what he's meant to the Kings organization. Jeff's everything for us. Uh, we have a wonderful relationship with him. We're, we're friends, and and uh, he's got a great eye for talent. We we just uh, I was just at the Summer League, as a matter of fact, and there were a big Portland contingency yeah, there. Yeah, there are a lot of people it now little, jumping on the bandwagon with uh, Odin on board. Yeah, they should because they have an exciting team and and, and Aldridge and Brandon Roy. I mean, they they got a lot of you know it's bright a bright future for them. But Jeff has has been great for our franchise. We we were in the playoffs eight straight years, one of only three or four teams to do that. You know, it's interesting. The NBA, it just seems to me that it's kind of cyclical. You know, you guys were on top for a while. Now you're, you're trying to get back amongst those elite teams. The Blazers haven't done so well in recent years. Now they're headed back in the right direction. Money seems to be such a, a large part with the salary caps and the luxury tax and how you can make a trade because you've got to make salaries match up. Don't you think it's much harder to get business done in the NBA today than maybe it was five or ten years ago when you could just make a trade and it wasn't that hard? Well, 100%, 100%. You're 100% right because it's 
you can't just go out. You know, a lot of fans don't understand the collective bargaining agreement. It's very complex. It's very detailed. And you just can't go out and get this player for that player. Right. I mean, it doesn't work that way. But a lot of the, the fans don't understand it. So when they say, well, why don't you go out and get so-and-so? and get the, Well, it just it doesn't happen that way. You, especially uh, in our position where we're, we're trying to, to retool, rebuild. And there's no quick fix. You have to do it uh, organically, and um, that's the only way you can you, you can make it in the NBA. You know, eventually we want to have cap room uh, two or three years down the road. You've got some pretty high player, uh, high profile players on your roster still. Ron Artest and, and Mike Bibby are probably the two highest profile guys. Are you looking to build around them, or are you open to moving them if the right opportunity came along? Well, we, we, we like the way they pl- played last year, and uh, you know they're on our team right now. And we, but we're always looking to improve our team. I think everybody, every thirty, all thirty teams are. So who knows what the future brings? But um, right now, we we just uh, watched our our uh, draft pick Spencer Haas play, and really like him. People yeah. are going to be surprised. You know, he's he's no he's no big stiff. I guarantee you that. You know, it's funny. uh, When I saw him selected on draft night, there was a smattering of boos, and and some people were like, why are they taking Spencer Hawes? He's from Washington, so we're pretty familiar with him up in our parts. And I remembered back, uh, Brian Grant is a friend of mine, and I remember back to when Jeff Petrie took Brian Grant out of Little Xavier, and there were all these boos. But then Brian Grant turned out to be a pretty good player. (laughs) So, you know, you look at Jeff Petrie and you go, well, gosh, you know, pretty smart when it comes to taking these guys. Spencer Hawes seems to be like a guy that not a lot of people know about right now, but a few years from now when he could be an all-star, you look at him and you go, wow, uh, pretty good player. Well, he's, I'll tell you, he's, he impressed me. You know, he's a low post player. He can use the left. He can use the right. He can run up and down the floor. He was the first one down the floor the other night, and um, he can, he's got a great shot. You know, I'm sure he has to work on his rebound and his defense, but, but offensively, and he can pass. And, I mean, he's got the skills, and he came from a basketball pedigree. So people that, that say that don't know basketball right. because they, they're, they're off base there. Right. My guest is Gavin Maloof. He's the co-owner of the Sacramento Kings. Gavin, when is the next NBA owners meeting? Because I want to ask you something. The, the Phoenix Suns-San Antonio Spurs uh, incident in the playoffs, a lot of people talked about it. There were some people that talked about maybe the rule – for leaving the bench is too strict. Maybe it needs to be changed. Maybe there are some things that need to be tweaked. What's your opinion on that? And is it something that you would bring on the agenda at the next meeting, or are you not that passionate about it either way? Well, I, I don't know if I will bring it on the agenda, but I'm sure the NBA or I'm sure uh, Robert Sarver, yeah. the, the, the owner <laughs> of the Suns, will, will bring it up. Um, hey, when, when there's controversy like that, we bring it in front of the Board of Governors and we discuss it. And if it needs to be changed or it needs to be tweaked or it needs to be loosened up, that's what we'll do. For people who haven't been to an NBA owners meeting, take us inside the boardroom for a minute. It sounds like most of the owners show up. Sometimes their owner representatives show up. How long do the meetings last? What are some of the topics that you generally cover? Well, uh, normally we, we get in the, the night before and they have a, a dinner reception. And they go through um, just to, well, first of all, it's, it's, uh, there's two representatives from each team. Uh, Board of Governors, and then we'll discuss uh, TV matters, uh, league matters, uh, rule changes, just a myriad of things. And then the next, we meet the next morning at nine, and usually go to like two o'clock nonstop. Last question: We've got about a minute left. TV ratings for the NBA Finals not great. 
If you were the commissioner of the NBA, David Stern, what do you do to try and increase the ratings for the NBA on TV? Is it just simply a matter of matchups, or is there something you can do to increase the TV ratings? Well, I, I'm sure there's always something we can do, but we're, we're excited about the new contract, obviously, with the ESPN and, and uh, the eight-year deal that we, that we have with the uh, with the, the, the network. So that's that's good for our league. But hey, I'll tell you, we got some exciting players coming in the league with Odin and Durant, and you know, just some of the the draft picks that were were picked this year. It's, the, the NBA basketball is really going to be exciting in the future. Well, Gavin, I really appreciate you taking the time to stop by. It's great to catch up with you again, and I'd love to have you on Sports Business Radio again sometime in the future. Thanks, Brian. Guests appearing during our Sports Sense segment will be treated to the gold standard of all steakhouses. Morton's a steakhouse, the best steak anywhere. For the Morton's nearest you, go online to mortons.com. So, Nathan, earlier in the show, I talked about Kevin Durant. There's a shoe war going on between Nike and Adidas. Read our blog at sportsbusinessradio.com for all of the insight. But as of this moment, there's not a deal done yet. My sources tell me that Durant is likely going to sign with Nike. He's been close with them since he's been in eighth grade. The interesting news that we broke on the blog this week was this $40 million deal that exists between Durant and his camp and Aaron Goodwin. Basically, Aaron Goodwin said that he would get Durant a minimum of $40 million for his shoe deal. This was interesting. I got a lot of calls this week from other media about this deal. Um, I am locked. Aaron Goodwin's best friend now? No, I'm not. I'm not his best friend, I can tell you that. But I am solid on this story, and we'll see how it unfolds. But my guess is even if the deal falls short of $40 million, they're going to announce it as a $40 million deal because Aaron Goodwin doesn't want to deal with the questions of why did they not reach that mark. Well, you know, like you've been saying in your blog, Durant needs to remember who's in charge here. He's the player. He's the one that needs to make the decision. He should have had this deal done. I know it's extra money, but at the end of the day, Adidas is going down to shoot a commercial right now for this upcoming season, and Durant is not going to be a part of it. Yeah, that's the big thing. The shoe companies made their pitches long ago. They've been kept waiting. They're not happy. We'll see how this all plays out. We'll talk about it next week. But we're coming up next with our final segment here on this week's edition of Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. When I'm looking for custom fit fine clothing and personal service to match, I call my friend Brian Tacker with the Tom James Company. Tom James' highly trained sales professionals like Brian Tacker come directly to your home or office saving you valuable time. Brian plans and coordinates my wardrobe so I am perfectly attired for any situation, whether it's a TV interview, a press conference, or a fundraiser. The Tom James Company offers over 500 suit fabrics and 250 shirt fabrics, and they carry all the accessories you'll need, from belts and ties to shoes and socks. The Tom James Company has been in business for over 40 years, and 80% of their business is generated from repeat customers. Call Brian Tacker today at 503-807-7956 or find his information at sportsbusinessradio.com. Brian Tacker and the Tom James Company, the official fine clothing partner of Sports Business Radio. The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. We are back with our final segment of this week's edition of Sports Business Radio. And as we talked in the opening segment, Nathan, this is, you know, there are certain moments in your life that are landmarks. This weekend is a landmark for you. You are getting married 
What are you doing to prepare yourself for this big day? I'll tell you the first thing I'm doing to prepare myself is on Saturday morning, my groomsmen and I, we're going out to play a little golf. That's a good relaxing uh, morning before See, the I wedding. disagree with that we're because going to play I've it. seen you play golf, oh. and it's anything but relaxing. Oh, please, please. I don't spend as much time as the sa- in the sand as you do, Berger, so I won't be that frustrated. But My know, nickname is David Hasselhoff because I spend so much time in the sand. I, I know, I know, and, I, and I'm a bushwhacker because I spend so much time in the weeds. But the fact of the matter is this. It's a great day. I'm going to take, you know, I'm going to enjoy it as much as I can. I know you'll be there rooting Bobby me on. and I are going to be there. Bobby, and... Bobby, what's your take on the whole wedding thing? You ready to get married yet? No. No. No, no, no. And no, I can I'm just good. I can tell you this too. Thank you from the bottom of my heart because my wife, she lives for weddings. You are making her entire month by having a wedding that she can go to. She had more fun putting together your wedding gift, and she's more excited about going to this wedding than just about anything that she's done in the last few months. Well, anytime she wants to put together a gift for me and Kyle, you know, maybe it's our one-year anniversary, anytime uh-huh. she wants to do that, we're, we're all we're open to receiving them. All right, so seriously, good luck. Remember to bend your knees during the ceremony. I don't want to see you falling over and passing out. Drink lots of water. Don't drink too much tequila before you walk down the aisle. And I will be in Belize next weekend, so I won't be on the show kicking it on the beach. Yeah, we'll be thinking about you. Uh, I won't Belize. be thinking about you. I hope you're not. So we have lots of thank yous on this week's show. Uh, our guests, Gavin Maloof, uh, Marshall Glickman, our show staff, Nathan Roach, Bobby Corser, Josh Blank, Darren Peck, Ron Barr, James Harris, and Doug Zanger. Our sponsors, Morton's The Steakhouse, the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon, and ProTrade.com. We've got a new partnership to tell you about. We'll Fill you in on that next week, but it's real exciting. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand anytime you want. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com and click on the podcast page. Check out our newly designed website at sportsbusinessradio.com. Nathan, again. I do. I do. I'm practicing right here on the air. Yeah, do you have your lines memorized? Yeah, I do. I didn't have my, I had to read from a note card, so oh, okay. that, that well, tells you how well, I don't have to do that. So uh, good luck on the show next week, Berger. I, I know you'll miss me. I'm in a bet right now. Bobby, you remember this. I'm going to bet that he forgets his lines when he's up there. Noted. Okay. So enjoy your week, everyone, and uh, I'll see you solo next week right here on Sports Business Radio. Take care. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Robert Sarver, the owner of the Phoenix Suns. When people come to a Suns game, what kind of an experience do you want it to be for them? We want them to be entertained from the time they walk in to the time they leave. The co-owner of the Sacramento Kings, Gavin Maloof. Gavin, thanks for joining me. My pleasure, Brian. How are you? Dr. Miles Brand, the president of the NCAA. Sports Business Radio. Saturday. That's why you're a smart business person. (laughs) Or at sportsbusinessradio.com. For our podcast listeners, we have a special bonus segment this week. It's my interview with new Portland Trailblazers forward Channing Fry, formerly of the New York Knicks. I had a chance to catch up with Fry when I was in Las Vegas at the ESPN Zone on Sunday, July 8th. Enjoy this interview. And now I am pleased to be joined in studio by the newest member of the Portland Trailblazers, Channing Fry. Channing, uh, thanks for stopping by. Thank you for having me. So we got to get this out of the way right up front. We're both from Phoenix, Arizona. You went to St. Mary's High School. I went to Brophy. 
rivals. Uh, I, I think when I was going to school, which was much earlier than when you went to school, uh, we were holding our own against you guys. But then when you came on board at St. Mary's, uh, you started taking it to us. Yeah, we uh, we played you guys five times in one year and beat you all five times. And, uh, we won the championship, so that was a pretty crushing blow to the Brophy basketball program. But they they got it going back now. But uh, you know, we did have a guy go to U of A named Jared Bayless, so. He wasn't too bad either. Now, you stayed home when you went to University of Arizona. You played for Lute Olsen. Uh, talk about Lute Olsen as a coach and, and what he meant to your career. To, uh, to be honest, I think he, he really showed me what it's like to be a professional and, uh, and the right way to play the game of basketball. Uh, he just he was real simple. He's like, look, do your job, and, and you do your job, and you're going to get rewarded from it. Um, you know, in, in Arizona's program, the reason we're so good every year is because we constantly have people uh, – that are all Americans coming back over and over and over again. You know, it's not rebuilding, it's reloading, you know. And, uh, and each year you have to constantly get, get better and bring a new facet, of, a, new, a new part of your game, uh, or else somebody's going to take your spot. And, and that type of practice, playing against all Americans, really helps us against when we play other people in other competition. Now, on draft night, you were traded uh, basically for Zach Randolph. You're the newest member of the Portland Trailblazers, as we just said. Uh, give me your thoughts on coming to Portland. Portland and New York, very, very dif- different. Uh, but talk about coming to Portland. You know, uh, first of all, i got to say thanks to the Knicks for everything that happened with them. And, uh, you know, this is just uh, something that happens in business. But thank God it happened. You know, I, I couldn't be happy. And when I heard it, uh, that I was getting traded to Portland on that day, I think it was like an hour or two before it actually really happened. It was on TV. Um, I mean, I, I was ecstatic, you know, just just seeing what type of moves that they were making and and uh, and the type of program that they're trying to run, the system that they're trying to run, and and, and knowing I knew a lot of the guys actually, and um, uh, Brandon Roy, I knew him, I knew Ime, I know, uh, you know, I know Zach. I didn't know he had was, we were going to be traded for each other, and um, <clears throat> you know, I met uh, Lamarcus and you know Jared Jack. I can go on for days, but. Just the team, like the guys, the quality guys that they have there is really the type of guys that I'd love to be surrounded with. And, um, you know, they're just excited. I'm excited to go to practice, you know, and have that feeling and, and have it be my job is awesome. And it's, it's that type of fire that's going to make us a, a great team and one of those teams you really don't want to play against. What's it like playing under the, the bright media glare in New York? You know, it's an experience. I think it's, it's what you make of it. Uh, I had a blast out there. I think it was... You know, outside the basketball world, I really just try to enjoy myself and go different spots. Um, but to be honest, like in my heart, I'm more of a woodsy, let's go fishing, sit at the house, you know, type guy. You know, I think um, this is just more me. And I think, uh, you know, Isaiah kind of knew that. And I think, you know, the Knicks coaching staff kind of knew that. And so they just um, they want to make moves. And so I guess I was it. So uh, Portland is a spot for me. And hey. I'm so glad to be a trailblazer. Sounds like we need to find you an endorsement deal with some fishing company, maybe uh, Joe's or someone. But hey. uh, what kind of fish do you like to go out for? Uh, well, we, me and my brother and some of my family members just got back from uh, salmon fishing out in uh, North Canada. Like, uh, oh, yeah. Like the River. We were uh, fly fishing out there. And the year for that, we went to Wyoming. The year for that, we went to Idaho. So I think next year it might go to Chile or might go uh, bone fishing next year. So we got we every year we do something different. But, you know, it's nothing like, uh, hey, I'm down to go fishing anywhere. Catfish, bass. There, there's some great fishing in Oregon and then uh, even in Alaska, which isn't too far, uh, yeah. some great fishing there too. Maybe you'll hit those spots. Hey, I, you know what? Uh, basketball comes first. But, you know, if I wanted a day off and just wanted to get away from it, I think that's a chance for me to just sit down and, and really focus on myself and what I, what I need to do and, 
and um, just good stuff like that. My guest is Channing Fry. He's the newest member of the Portland Trailblazers. Channing, for the fans in Portland who may not be real familiar with you, besides fishing, what are some other hobbies that you have, some things you like to do off the court? Uh, now that I'm getting older, the ripe old age of 24, <laughs> I've, uh, <laughs> I've, uh, I've started kind of reading books, you know, uh, reading books again. You know, I think it's kind of o- not overrated, but it's just kind of underrated uh, how, how good a, bo- a good book can be. And I, I'm reading uh, Phil Jackson's book right now um and i read uh i think the next book on the list is like by uh i think where have all the good leaders gone i think Goodness, okay something by lee iacocca yeah so you know uh you know just doing that is kind of my thing just chilling out and relaxing i'm always so tired from working so hard in the court i just i don't really want to move so let's talk about the team uh before we went on there you were talking about greg odin and you went to the game earlier and you were saying he's just a monster uh LaMarcus Aldridge, a player pretty similar right. to, to your game, tall, long. Uh, talk about what you're going to see with this team uh, as you step onto the court next season. You're going to see a lot of growth. I think um, coming from a team that was, that was primarily older guys, older vets who had their games just stuck, you know, had their, like, set games and how they were going to play. I think this team, you're going to see a lot of growth uh, with everyone. I think everyone's going to adjust to each other. And I know a lot of people compare me and Marcus's game saying, you know, we do the same things, but really – we're like, just because we're tall, we run the floor, and we're like 6'11", and we kind of have the same build, we're almost completely different in, in our, like, comfortable areas, as far as I, I've seen in the past few days. Um, Marcus is great at, at running the floor in and, and, and that sense, and so I'm going to learn how to keep up with him in that sense, and, and he's really good with his back to the basket. And uh, I'm a little bit more comfortable with, my, with the face-up game and being able to, to kind of drive and slash and pass. And so what we're going to do is just read off each other and make each other better. And, uh, and uh, Sergio is great, man. He, he's great at controlling the pace of the game. And Brandon is Brandon. And, uh, and Jared is Jared. So uh, to, to get on Greg, I think, I mean, I, he, he is a, a fantastic player. I think now, um, the biggest thing that I was extremely amazed with is how down to earth he is and yeah. how, like, extremely normal he is. You know, for everything that's going on with him, you know, you kind of think, okay, well, maybe a little bit, a little bit of cockiness, but there's not a hint of, of cockiness with him. And so uh, to get on the basketball part, he's just a tenacious animal. And to be, I know he looks old, but I think he's, what, 19, 18? 19. I mean, he's looks a, like he's 45, but I he's mean, only 19. I was, I was sitting at the game with Andre Godala, and we're looking at him, and anywhere he gets his long arms near the rim, I mean, somebody's getting dunked on. And he's coming out of nowhere to block shots. And, and another thing, uh, coming from college, is that his second effort is just amazing. For him to be able to jump up twice and, and still be so explosive is huge, especially being in a league. And uh, I know he's probably a little tired now from all those things, but for him to still be playing hard and never making excuses is another thing, a, a quality guy. And that's the biggest thing about the Trailblazers that I love is that everybody is a quality guy and everybody wants to go to practice and wants to get better. So that's why I think we're going to be a team of the future. Quickly, we got about a minute left. As a Wiley veteran, age 24, what, would you, what advice would you have for Greg Oden? What's the biggest thing that he needs to be aware of coming from the college game to the NBA game? Uh, two things. Have fun, enjoy the moment, and take care of your body. I think um, – you know, you catch a cold in the NBA. Uh, if you don't take care of your body, that cold goes from one week to one month. And then, you know, there's really no excuses for him. And, and that's kind of crazy that I, I say that. But he really has no excuses because he is the number one pick and there's a lot of expectations on him. But he's definitely going to exceed those expectations. Well, Channing Fry, it is a pleasure to meet you. Uh, you. Portland Trailblazer fans are ecstatic that Thank you're in Portland. You. They look forward to seeing you take the court next year in a Trailblazers uniform. Appreciate the time. Thank you for having me. I appreciate that. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back.